Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Now, as you know, there is all sorts of circus shenanigans going on down in Westminster. But actually, what's happening day in, day out, on the ground is very important. And whatever complications Boris Johnson might be getting into, there is good work happening and campaigning that still needs to be done on all sorts of issues. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a very serious one, and it's about street harassment. So I'm going to introduce our panel. We've got an absolutely brilliant panel with us. One of our regulars is, of course, Sam Alhamdani. Uh, welcome, Sam. Hello. Good to see you. And we have two absolute luminaries to help up the standard of our panel. First, we have Vera Hobhouse coming back onto the podcast. Welcome, Vera. Ho- hope you're well. Thank you, John. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And we also have, we're delighted to have Maya Tutton, who is the co-founder of the Our Streets Now uh, campaign, website, lobbying group. I don't know how you describe yourself, Maya, but welcome very much to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Right. So let's just take a step. So, Sam, I don't know if you want to start off now because you've been doing various works on this. So you want to get this podcast together all about levels of street harassment. So where are we at at the moment, Sam? What are we trying to do? Um, well, at the moment, and um, the campaign that uh, Our Streets Now is running uh, is to get a specific crime introduced in the UK uh, for uh, public street harassment. Um, it's a law that exists in, in several countries across Europe, um, and uh, it's one that would make a significant difference, not, not just in terms of like creating a prosecutable offence, but sending a message. I think that this is something that is a really, uh, it, it, it's a building block in, in work to combat violence against women and girls and, and misogyny in a, in a more general sense. And I think it would be a, a really powerful message uh, if the UK government was to introduce a specific law on this. Um, but I think somebody that could talk a bit more eloquently about that than me is is Maya, who who started the Our Streets Now campaign. And it'd be really good, Maya, if you could tell us a bit more about kind of why you started that and and, and what you're aiming for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started the campaign about three years ago, um, coming up to three years, which is slightly scary but fine uh I started it with my younger sister Gemma um so she was 14 at the time and I was 20 um and it really came out of feeling very frustrated and very angry actually um with the way that that we were both being sexually harassed in public but especially my younger sister so she was first sexually harassed at the age of 11 in public space and that kind of process of seeing her go through the experience, but then also as a, you know, 15 year old at the time, having to explain to her, yeah, actually, you know, this is going to continue happening to you. It's not going to be a one-off. And in fact, actually, probably it's going to be much worse at times than it currently is. And that that whole process of seeing her go through those like early teenage years and being sexually harassed in public and seeing how, how much impact that had in terms of the way that she viewed not only public space, but herself, like her own relationship with her body. Um, seeing that process really sort of made me reflect on how much we've normalized this behavior and how much it's just become an accepted part of, of growing up as a, as a girl or as a you know marginalized gender in this country. Um, and when we saw that legislation was being introduced in France and that there was this kind of 
wave of activism across Europe and the world um, against this form of gender-based violence, we decided that um, we wanted to do something in the UK. Um, and yeah, that was the birth of our street now. Hello, John from the Lib Dem podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional-looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD Directory. They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Prater Reigns website at praterreigns.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. Vera, obviously you've now been lobbying hard on this and other issues regarding, you know, making sure this sort of behaviour never is never acceptable how whatever it is yes and so and that and really are you how much was it brilliant that other people are coming on board to try and lend more weight to this to get more political weight behind it well indeed first of all um women have been um subject to these types of male behavior uh, for such a long time that it has become so normalized that we have put up with it for too long um and me of being of a certain age we've experienced it and we have put up with it um, and it is of course uh, a sign of our times and that women are increasingly not putting up with it and that's fantastic in, in terms of my my own political in, engagement since i've become a member of parliament and all of these issues have, have been through the upskirting bill and there are many themes uh, that resonate with what um, the our streets now campaign is trying to achieve and that is to make um, this type of behavior a, a specific offense and the aim of that is, like with the upskirting bill, not that we are filling um, our prisons with um, offenders, but that people stop doing it. Uh, and we need, we need to go through this way, I think, of, of a criminal offence, um, as sad as it might sound, because only um, once we've got um, a credible deterrent will behaviour change. But it should also lead uh, to a wider discussion of, of our cultural attitudes and, and, and for that reason, it is important we bring it into our schools, we bring it in a non-threatening way into the public debate. Um, sometimes maybe people are doing this sort of stuff, and maybe I'm too soft, um, and they're not really aware of it. Um, but let's make sure that everybody understands that it is, it, it is something that actually injures people and women. Uh, and Maya has described very well um, how it has, has actually traumatized her own sister. Um, and how this will have a long-lasting effect probably on the way she, she, she looks at her, her body, uh, how she, she looks at relationships. Uh, and therefore, it is important that people don't sort of um, wave it off and say, oh, it's just a bit of fun and um, thoughtlessly do it without realizing that it causes harm. Now, I, I, I do think it's really interesting. I really want to come back to talking about kind of campaigning in schools and working in schools and what you know, I've a local councillor, what we can do about that. Um, but I think it'd be good to just have a look at, you know, where the campaign is at nationally in terms of getting a crime bill through. Um, you know, th there are opportunities there on a national level, but it seems to have got it to a bit of an impasse. Um, Maya? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think in terms of a timeline, I think um, 
the big turning point for us in the campaign was in July of last year when the government committed to reviewing um, the legislative gaps that we'd identified. Um, but six months on, we haven't seen anything from this review. Uh, we don't know whether it is being conducted uh, with actual reference to survivors and victims. Are, are, you know, are young women and girls being involved in that process? We don't know. Um, and what's the timeline for response? We also don't know that. So, I mean, for us, it really is a case of, of stressing the urgency now. You know, we don't have time to wait because the reality is that two thirds of schoolgirls have been sexually harassed and that behaviour is going on day in, day out. And that, you know, the longer the government takes to take action, the more that this behaviour is continuing to be, to be normalised in our society. So... Yeah, the, the kind of big um, sort of turning point in the campaign for us since that July moment was really just a couple of weeks ago when we hit that six month mark. And it really felt like we need to kind of continue and, and increase the pressure that we're putting on the government to, to respond to, to the review, to make that transparent, accountable um, and also ultimately to, to start moving to, you know, to start moving on this because we have big opportunities coming up with the victims bill, for example, for this legislation to be introduced. And we don't want, um, you know, to keep waiting. Indeed. Um, and last year we had a massive momentum uh, with the um, Sarah Everett tragedy uh, where people have understood small crimes can lead into big crimes. It's a bit like the broken windows syndrome that everybody who works in um, local, being a local councillor knows, you know, you, you let an, an area um, deteriorate just slowly it, it, it becomes something much worse. Um, and, and I think with um, sexual crimes, it's like that. You know, it can, it can grow into something incredibly serious. So stop it where it starts. Uh, and that is um, at what is sometimes considered to be something that you can laugh off and it's, 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 it's not so important. It is vitally important that we really have a zero tolerance towards these types of attitudes towards women for that reason, I believe it's important to make misogyny a hate, hate crime. All these things have been gathering momentum. And Maya, you're absolutely right. We shouldn't um, allow this momentum to go away. And I do think, you know, the other week, sort of the Lords in, in response to the uh, policing bill, you know, the, there was a, the Lords said misogyny should be made. You know, there was a vote to, to make misogyny a hate crime. And so it's not just, uh, you know, it, it could feel like this was outside pressure groups, but I think that there is more momentum than that. It does feel like there is real political pressure coming on, but then that's, I find that even more frustrating, you know, Boris Johnson coming out and saying, well, no, I, I don't really think that this needs to be, uh, uh, to happen. You know, that from the very top is incredibly frustrating. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of that collective picture of, uh, you know, is the government taking this seriously? You know, it, again, I, I hear things where they say they are, but I don't see the follow up and, and the, the, you know, the delay in terms of this review just seems to echo that. And I, 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 I want to be convinced. I want to hear that this is a government that is taking it seriously. And I just I, 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 I can't see that, you know, so. I, I want to really would ask for if you're listening to this, you know, there is a, sign the petition, sign our streets now and plan UK's petition, you know, really, and get other people to make sure that that groundswell of opinion is being heard and being echoed it, it, at the top level of politics. Yeah, I, I would echo that. Yeah, go yeah. on. Uh, we'll, we'll do this first. So we'll go Maya, then Vera, then me. <laughs> 
Um, just just to really echo what Sam's saying in terms of, I think it really is, this is an issue that so many people care about. It is on so many people's priorities list because either we've experienced it or we have loved ones who have. And I think it's really about getting across to um, the you know people in power that this is an issue that's not going away and that that is a priority for us. And I think so often actually like young women's voices and, and, and girls' voices are not reflected in politics. Um, you know, young women are the lowest, have some of the lowest voting records. And that's not to, to, to shame young women, but what it does mean is that our voices just aren't being heard and we're not being listened to. Um, and so I would really, really encourage anyone, anyone who's listening, you know, to, to this podcast to, yeah, sign the petition, email your MP and really kind of engage with the democratic process to make sure that, that we can't be ignored, essentially. Public pressure works. And I wouldn't be in politics if I didn't believe that. I, I really believe that people's voices matter. People power matters. We still live in a full democracy where people are being heard as much as sometimes we feel that we are being ignored. But use that power and make your voice heard in exactly the way that Maya has said. In terms of what the government is doing and sort of delaying things now, it's been my experience um, with the um, uh, Department for Justice when I was pushing the upskirting bill through that they, they do in the end like to do it the easiest way. Uh, and when, for example, we were looking at making, taking the opportunity of the upskirting bill to make a wider legislative change about distribution of on, images online and all the rest of it, uh, the, the minister was very, very keen to keep it very limited to just a specific uh, offence uh, because otherwise they would have had to um, review the whole lot of legislation. Um, and they thought that was a little bit too much. Um, and so uh, if you look, <laughs> the, uh, the Department for Justice um, is, is always very cautious in opening a can of worms, uh, but at the same time, they shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. Uh, and, 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 and so any new legislation that's coming on, for example, in the online harms bill or the police crime sentencing courts bill, uh, each time uh, we have these legislative opportunities in Parliament, uh, the, the Secretary of State will come along and say, let's not make that the Christmas tree on which we hang all sorts of other things. And yet we might have 20 years um, passing before another opportunity comes along. So we in Parliament need to be very aware of these opportunities and absolutely push within, uh, within Parliament to, uh, to, 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 to put the minister under, uh, or you know, the government under pressure to make these changes, outside pressure from the people, inside pressure from the parliamentarians who know when to take a good opportunity. And Vera, just coming back on that, actually, I'm, I'm really interested in what you say, because obviously there's, there's kind of two approaches that people can take in terms of, do you just try and do uh, improvements as quick as you can, maybe little by little, or do you go for one huge improvement and get it done? And your view would be that if you do it piece by piece, you might have to wait decades before you get it. So it's better to do a, a one-shot try and get as much done as possible, but it might take a little longer to get there? It's a good question. Um, I mean, in the it, 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 I, I frame all of this in terms of my experience with the upskirting bill. Uh, in the end, it was a quick win. Uh, but at the same time, it was also a missed opportunity for other things to happen. And if one had had um, an, an opportunity to make wider um, legislative changes, it, it might have then incorporated um, upskirting at the same time. I mean, this is now water under the bridge, but uh, I, I think it, 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 it's indicative 
of uh, politics often being operating in silos rather than seeing the bigger picture. Uh, and, and, and political cycles, you know, we have sort of four-year elections. Um, people, uh, people like to think, uh, uh, it, it, you know, in, in four-year election cycles. And, and, and yet short-termism is probably the, the biggest enemy of, of real change. Yeah, I, I, I want to pass this to you, Sam, because as you know, you came up with a council motion for your council, which, as you know, I adopted and also we put forward from our local group as well. So firstly, why did you do that? But secondly, I just, I'm just going to touch on the experience we got. So our councillor, Debbie Shannon, put that forward about this. And, you know, the response we got uh, maybe fairly typical from some was, oh, come on, love, what's, what's your problem? It's only a bit of wolf whistling. That sort of nonsense we kind of got, that dismissive, because Debbie talked a lot about her daughter, her teenage daughter and what she, and she had to go through. And actually, and again, it all kind of links into the, to the Boris Johnson, which I know Maya won't want to talk about because she's obviously trying to be a little bit more neutral than we will be, um, <laughs> is the fact that if you were thinking, if this government is a populist government, which it is, then actually, will they ever do something that's going to offend the Jack the Lad, uh, get over it kind of um, kind of attitude? So first of all, let, let's, I mean, I've given you three things to talk about there. So <laughs> we'll start off with your council motion. Um, in the council motion came from a, a few different things. Um, I'm, I'm a councillor in Oldham. And uh, I, I mean, currently, there is an investigation going into um, historic allegations of child sexual abuse. Uh, in the borough and that is something that has happened in a number of places um, not just uh, Oldham so there was uh, I mean Rochdale, Rotherham uh, and a number of other investigations and when I sort of started as a councillor you know a, a lot of what you do is is very day-to-day -day, and I sort of wanted to really focus on this as something that was you know, a, a level above that. It wasn't just you know what you do on a to help individuals. It was something we could actually make a, a real change on um, at a local level. You know, we could have a genuine impact. And and it's such a, a I mean, such a horrific thing for people to have gone through. But you know, it needs addressing, and it's and it's difficult to address. You know, it, it is a really difficult. So I I started reading up on on different campaigns that were going on, and our streets now was one of the uh, sort of groups. You know, I, I didn't come to this with any level of expertise. I was looking at who was out there doing good work, and uh, so our streets now um, were campaigning about public street harassment, and and so. That's not that wasn't the direct thing I wanted to address, but it fits into this idea of this is a much wider issue, and what we need to do is is create a, a, a coherent change in people's behaviour. And street harassment is a is a very ground level way of doing it, and it is something we can we can do something about locally. Um, so, along with what our streets now are campaigning on and public street harassment, they're also they also have developed our schools now which is a sort of education program uh, where it's advice. So uh, for schools and how to engage with uh, young people, how to challenge people on their behaviour, how to give girls the confidence to, to know that what is happening is not acceptable. So the motion was trying to address both of those things. So one, it was supporting that more general aspiration, but it was also saying we can practically deliver things. Uh, and 
sometimes it's easy to to forget that as a a, a local councillor that you can you get you kind of almost see politics as two disparate things kind of the the day-to-day nitty-gritty and these big politics up at the top and actually we can really have an impact and i think for the people who are listening to this podcast you can have an impact here you know, getting really engaging on that and making sure that your local schools and other programs, you know, we're, we're uh, campaigning to become a white ribbon council, uh, you know, that sort of engagement can really make a difference. And so I just, I kind of just wrote it. It was the first motion I'd ever written and I didn't really totally know what I was doing. And I just had, a, I, I went and I had a go and then I got in touch and with uh, our streets now and said, I've written this and we're passing it. Is, is this okay? And they were so incredibly supportive and and really great. So, um, and it is you know since then you know we've spent a year working on this. So we're in a we have a cross party group. It's a Labour run council, but we have a cross party group. It's the Conservatives, myself uh, representing Liberal Democrats, and then the Education Lead, really sort of you know engaging with what we can do in schools to make a difference. And and I'll hold up a Liberal Democrat council as a place that's doing a much better job than my own council is. I mean, we're doing okay. Sutton Council have done an incredible amount of engagement with this, and which I think Maya probably knows more about than, than me, but really showing how at a local level we can make a difference. Yeah, I love, I just love that, that kind of the power of, I, I genuinely do think in terms of specifically this behavior there's so much that can be done within the local community um I really just yeah I'm you know I'm so excited about about what you've been doing in Oldham and what's going on in Sutton and it's and it's really growing and the number of councils who are you know either doing things in terms of schools but I also got uh, an email the other day from a councillor in uh, Oxfordshire who is trialing a kind of it's actually a really exciting idea of essentially using the council's purchasing power by attaching certain um, essentially conditions around public sexual harassment. So saying, you know, we're only going to hire individuals who understand what public sexual harassment is and agree to have any, um, you know, essentially to have a kind of zero tolerance policy to any of those behaviours being exhibited by members either directly employed by the council but also any contractors um, and then using a kind of um, uh, sort of red light orange light system whereby essentially the yeah the purchasing power of the council is used in order to kind of create that ripple effect whereby organizations have to have policies around public sexual harassment particularly if they have individuals working in public spaces um, so that you know, when individuals do make a complaint about sexual harassment, that will be taken seriously by the council. Um, because I hear day in, day out from victims who who do report and nothing is done. So it's really exciting that on the local level, you know, this these changes are being made. Um, and, and I just think even having those conversations within, you know, within council meetings where we're discussing the problem, I mean, that is real cultural change. And that has to be at the root of everything. You know, you know, that councillor sharing stories about, about her teenage daughter, that is so profound in terms of, you know, then that changing other people's attitudes there. And then maybe they'll talk to their daughters about, actually, how do you feel on your way to school? Probably not very safe. And it's about opening those doors to those conversations to make that real, real change. Because, I, you know, I totally agree with what Vera said earlier about, you know, legislation is just one vehicle. It's just one tool that, that needs to be used. But ultimately, this is about prevention. We don't want to have to 
have perpetrators brought to account. What we want is for this behavior not to happen um, in the first place. I mean, what is um, has been missing from this debate currently is, of course, the police and, um, well, the Met Police in the Dockhouse. But um, uh, it is important that we, we all engage with our local police forces. Um, and I know, you know, my police forces, um, Aiden and Somerset Police, um, and, and they're the new um, Police and Crime Commissioner wants to make um, violence against women and girls um, a, a, a real topic of his tenure. And we have set up a working group um, to look at uh, organizing a conference across the region. Um, and, and, and so even Somerset Police does take the wider issue very seriously. But at the same time, when, then, when, when you're looking at the crime figures, when it comes to low-level crime that, as we've already established, could easily lead to much more sinister and serious things, um, the, the force is actually not doing very well. So we have an opportunity at local level uh, to particularly look at what is actually happening in our police forces and what um, is the police doing about this. Uh, legislation um, changed, yes or no, that's not really the issue. Um, women um, are experiencing, you know, continuous level of street harassment. Uh, is the police actually taking this seriously? Uh, I, I'm going to flag up a campaign that uh, police up in Scotland are doing, uh, the That Guy campaign. It's Don't Be That Guy. And it's a really well done campaign. And, uh, and, and at its best, that sort of, you know, it, they basically released a series of videos and it's, it's kind of police led, but it's young men basically going through like behaviours that you kind of, are past what's acceptable and just go and 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 it really highlights that that thing of of behaviors that people kind of let just wash off and think it's okay and it and it because it's coming from the sort of people who would do that it's a really powerful message and when when you see a police force engaging in that way and actually kind of really doing something about it it's really powerful and really effective and we need to see a huge amount more of that not just that type of engagement like we need to see the serious work going into this as well um but i i, I do love that i i think it's a really strong campaign and and we should see more of that from local police you know i i some local police forces have signed up to white ribbon which is not a perfect organization i've been you know but it it, it is really strong on saying you know, this is men that being the problem and men need to deal with it. And that's a really important message. It was Re Richard Kemp on this podcast who said this to me and, and to you, John, because were, we were three guys talking about the issue of rape. Um, and, and I think we were a bit sort of nervous about doing it because it was like, well, is it our right to, to talk about this? Actually, it totally is because, you know, if men, it's, Primarily, this is men's behaviour that is the problem. So men need to change their behaviour and we need to be part of that. So the most common crimes in Bath are violence and um, sexual offences, with um, 2,133 offences during 2020. So, but the problem is that violent and sexual offences are pulled together. Um, and that's another indication. We, we need to be a little bit more specific um, and, 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 and therefore, what, what, what of that crime number is actually sexual offence? So, so there, there are things that we can do holding our police forces to account via our police and crime commissioners to say, well, can, can you actually 
um, be very clear about what these figures are and, and not just so wishy-washy around it. Yeah, and I think just kind of going, moving this conversation on from what Sam said, and like I said, when we had that conversation, I, I realised I am, there are some behaviours that obviously clearly that kind of lads culture where whether that's wolf whistling or doing other things that are intimidating obviously those people have very strong changes that are needed to their attitude towards women but we also mean that like i said any man can make changes to their behavior to make um women feel more comfortable outside so i i use myself as an example i am a fairly largish guy and i walk around with a, a large rottweiler dog i if i am um, if i see a lone woman i will cross the street now, because obviously if it's dark and, and my size, et cetera, little changes like that can make women feel a lot safer in their streets. So I think there's something for all men to take. And, and leading this forward, I suppose that is maybe where you come from. There's things that everyone can do and there's things that everyone can do to add pressure to try and make change. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there's, the way that we talk about, you know, violence against women and girls, where's the agent mm. in that phrase there's none and why because <laughs> we don't want to name it and you know I'm conscious even when I campaign if I go into certain spaces I feel when I say male violence I can feel that resistance mm. and that that resistance to recognizing that the vast majority of perpetrators are men is a real problem in our society. It is, I mean, you know, I think we really saw that in the conversation over the summer, the kind of defensiveness, um, but also I think there's, so on one side there's the, there's the defensiveness and on the other hand, you also have the kind of quite tokenistic um, attempts at helping. So actually I'm not gonna reflect on my own behavior or think about how how I've gone wrong in the past, which we all have. I mean, you know, so have we've all internalized gender norms, we have all internalized patriarchy, we have all internalized all these different forms of, of social inequality. And until we do that kind of interior work of like, actually, how can I reflect on my own behavior and how can I take that every single day into my behavior? Um, we're not gonna see change. And I, and I was really disappointed actually. And I saw the other day that, you know, there was obviously a huge swell of number of men who signed up to so these kind of courses, like after, you know, the, the horrendous femicides in, in the summer of Sarah Everard and, and Sabina Nessa, and only 10% of the people showed up. And that is the problem. That is the problem. It's like the hand raising without doing the work. And I think, you know, that's both in terms of men, but also when we think about, you know, public sexual harassment, we can't talk about it as one phenomenon because actually, Often it's combined with racism, it's combined with ableism, it's combined with homophobia, transphobia. And so, you know, I, for example, as a white woman, really need to think about the way in which my experience of sexual harassment will not turn into a racist hate crime. It is likely, however, you know, that is a possibility for people of colour who are experiencing PSH. And that is something that, as well, is just so missing from the conversation, is us thinking about how these phenomenon, this phenomenon of male violence against women and girls is not uniform, it's not one thing, and it's affected by all the other different forms of, of social oppression as well. I mean, this brings us back to um, how do we most effectively campaign for change? Um, is, is, is that by, by being very soft and polite, as Maya says, and trying to persuade people by, by not uh, putting them on the defensive? Or are we ab absolutely zero tolerance, ruthless, and say, we've had enough? And and I think with any campaign, sometimes if you if you're too loud and too aggressive and too 
uh, uh, strident, people will tell you, oh, you're, you're, you're your own worst enemy. And I, I've, I've sometimes come to the point where I say I've, had, I've really had enough um, and we, we can be polite for such a long time. And, and I think, of course, we need um, male friends, we do. Um, and of course, um, we need to recognize that, uh, you know, there's violent behavior or unacceptable behavior in women as well. But let's just be very clear of what it is. It's predominantly done by men, not by all men, um, but it is predominantly done by men. And that is just a fact. Um, and we, we, we can't skirt around that. We can't be polite around that. We just have to call it by its name. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it'd be quite useful for, because this is a Lib Dem podcast, it's going out to people who are quite politically active, um, just to run through some of the practical stuff um, in terms of what people listening to this can get on with today. So I mentioned before, so search for, for the Our Streets Now petition on public street harassment and sign it and share it to as many people as you can and get them to sign it, but also have the conversation around it you know, don't like you can you can share a petition and that's great, but engage with people and talk to them about it and and have those conversations because having those conversations is a really important thing. Um, there's the uh, the motion that I wrote and has been adapted and it's been passed by Liverpool and Preston and, and a number of other councils uh, and it's really good. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're a local council, please pass it. You know, even if you're if you're a parish council and you don't have the spending power. You, you don't, or you're a district and you don't control the schools. Just you can do the majority of this motion and every council can pass it. And just the pressure that would create of so many people and just the discussions, as Maya was saying before, having those discussions in a council chamber, that's a really important part of this. And in the um, press, so, so that's the important like, thing is and, if, oh, yeah. if you do your motion, I said every single local press picked up on it as well. So that is, you know, getting the word out there is, is key for these campaigns. But I would also Absolutely. say write to your MPs and then, then it's important, as I keep saying, engage with your local police forces. Yeah. Ask them about it. Um, and, 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 you know, any police and crime commissioner will will be happy and for a meeting with the local councillor they can't shrug away from it in fact they need a little bit of a higher profile um, they they are politicians too they they can smell a good campaign so get them on board and but also scrutinize what they're doing and just lastly in terms of the the school stuff um you know we have our schools now on our website have free resources at any key stage, free assembly packs, free, you know, um, own resources, take home resources. We essentially have created everything there for, for schools to be teaching on this issue. Um, and we're also really excitingly starting to develop in-person teacher training, um, youth change-making workshops. So we're doing the, you know, the on-the-ground work, on work in terms of, of making schools a safe space for, for victims and survivors of PSH and also a space in which hopefully we're raising a generation uh, of young people who are not going to become perpetrators either. So, yeah, I'd really encourage you to write to your, you know, your... The, your local secondary school that you went to forward the resources and say hey have you thought about teaching about this or um you know contact your niece's school i mean i think a hell of a lot of focus was obviously put on the horrendous rape culture within schools in this country and what i really want to see is that 
public conversation turn into actual change. So sending these resources to schools, letting them know that they can and should be teaching about this and that they should be training their safeguarding leads to respond properly and respectfully to when their students disclose is a really incredible way to make change. Um, And all of that's on our website at ourstreetsnow.org. There we go. Well, I just want to thank the panel uh, for coming on today. Like, it's such an important issue, and it's something that you know needs to. We need to keep going with it. We need to keep improving it. We need to keep changing minds and eventually changing legislation. So, thank you all. I want to actually just thank you all for everything you're doing as well. I mean, it, it really, like I say, when we passed it in Preston, it was cross-party support, got lots of attention from uh, from journalists, and really raised the profile of the issue. So, all of us listening can do that so i want to thank vera thank maya thanks sam for coming on the podcast and chatting today i want to thank all our listeners for tuning in or watching on youtube we really appreciate if you have any comments want to know more information about it we'll put details everything in the show notes but also ask us any questions if you'd leave we can answer them we can send you sam's motion or whatever you want and just thank you very much for listening and we'll be back with another episode very soon